0: What is going on Tecmo team Andy here with the Tecmo bros coming at you we got a solo show today no one else was able to make it but that's okay we're still bringing you the best content here in the 8-bit world so I want to thank everyone for joining us here on the Tecmo bros and take a minute if you could give us a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platforms and give us a follow on Twitter and a like on Facebook those things tremendously help us Let's just jump right into it. I'm very excited. It's been quite the week of football. We still do have a game today. We got the Bills game this evening, which is going to be something. Bills v. Titans. I'm cautiously optimistic we still get it. It's supposed to go on uh, as we know of right now. Uh, but news and notes from the weekend, there are a few things to go over. The Falcons uh, finally dropped to 0-5, so that feels good being a, being a Falcons fan. Uh, it's good to see that they finally took it seriously. And Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov, the GM, uh, were fired. So, as a Falcons fan, I could not be happier uh, just based on the coaching changes. I'm sad about the 0 5, but happier that hopefully they're moving in the right direction. Uh, other news we got to talk about major injury. Uh, Dak Prescott is gone for the season, and which is a, a huge shame. And it's no secret. That here on Tecmo Bros, I've not exactly given Dak the proper amount of love that he deserves in terms of his abilities. Uh, but you never want to see an injury like this, especially when it comes to a guy who was having just such a great year numbers-wise. The Cowboys aren't exactly anything to write home about uh, first place in the NFC East, though. That's exciting. Uh, but just seeing him get hurt, definitely, definitely kind of... Does not sit well with me, especially because they couldn't get that contract done for him. So playing on the tag and having an injury like that, just uh, not the best not the best thing out there. An update before we get into our rock stars versus not stars, an update that we have. Uh, ben and I made a bet earlier in the season, Carson Wentz versus Daniel Jones, who has a better season points-wise. Just a big update on that. Carson Wentz is at 85 points, and Daniel Jones is at 52 if we round up to the nearest point. So I'm pulling ahead with Carson Wentz here. I really am sad that we missed on Daniel Jones. Uh, not one of our finer predictions, but after a first week where he did pretty well against Pittsburgh of all teams, uh, he's had four weeks of less than 10 total fantasy points. And that's a that's a problem if you banked on him to be your, your QB this season if you drafted him late. It's just... Uh, the guy just can't hold on to the ball. Just tremendous amount of fumbles. And he say what you want about the O-line. I feel like if he was seeing things better or just in a better scheme, potentially, like you can scheme around a bad O-line to an extent, uh, but, man, you cannot – right now you cannot scheme around how bad Daniel Jones has been just with his vision of the field and, and not seeing the right people. Like they had to run numerous trick plays, and obviously – Trick plays are fine, but usually those are a mask for a QB not being as good. Like you'll see Pat Mahomes run one here and there, but when it comes down to it, trick plays are typically meant for like a Nick Foles or Daniel Jones or people who just as a QB can't hang in the pocket or be as mobile as you'd like them to be. So I'm still hoping for a Daniel Jones turnaround. The calendar does open up the schedule a bit to make him a little bit easier, but. I was hoping to see something in this game against Dallas, seeing as how Dallas's defense was hemorrhaging points to the quarterback. And the fact that the Giants were in it, but Daniel Jones was not part of it, is, is definitely discouraging. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. We're actually going to start this week. We're going to do a bit of an audible. We're going to start with the not-stars of the week. Ready, down! put, put. put. So the aforementioned Daniel Jones is definitely in our not-stars. Less than 10 fantasy points from a quarterback is just unacceptable for a lot of things. Let's talk about some other quarterbacks who failed to impress this week. Jimmy Garoppolo, he even got benched at halftime. He was 7 for 17 with 77 yards and two interceptions. Didn't even... You know, I know he's coming back from an injury, and that was... A rough one, high-angle sprains are nothing to mess around with. But the fact that you did that against the Dolphins and San Fran looked like a, a terrible a terrible team, which is unfortunate. But Jimmy Garoppolo should be back next week. But the the if you started him thinking it was a triumphant return, uh, you got negative fantasy points for the day, which is always a, a hard pill to swallow. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, Matt Ryan... Just we talked about the Falcons firing their coach, Matt Ryan. Twenty-one completions on thirty-seven attempts, two twenty-six and one interception, no touchdowns. He came out this year guns ablazing. Great first two weeks. It's been a rough three weeks, and I never like I knew Julio is a generational talent. Like that cannot be, that cannot be dismissed easily. He is one of the best receivers to ever play. I did not understand how much. Of Matt Ryan's value was tied to if Julio's on the field so all those weeks that Julio played but had a bad week and Matt Ryan had a great week it it makes a lot more sense now because Julio's just been out and Calvin Ridley is fantastic but without Julio on the field like say what you want about Russell Gage and and Zacchaeus and and Hayden Hurst is there Todd Gurley had himself a game we'll talk about him uh above but Matt Ryan just struggled and struggled hard Uh, honestly, depending on what Julio's health situation looks like, it potentially may be time to move on, uh, from Matt Ryan, just depending on what the scheme looks like and who knows what the new GM is going to do in terms of, is he going to mortgage the team and start like a complete rebuild? Uh, it just might be time to move on from Matt Ryan, but keep an eye on the schedule. The schedule opens up a bit for him as well, but that's going to be directly on if Julio is healthy or not. Uh, back to the Niners. Jarek McKinnon, we thought was going to be the, the two of the one two punch with Mostert uh, against the Dolphins. And he had one carry for zero yards and two catches. I'm sorry, two, yeah, two catches for five yards total. Uh, so it, uh, if you started him like I did, you were disappointed by his pointage. Uh, it just did not, the Niners were not the team we expected them to be this week. So it all turned out to be a little bit of a, a murky situation. Mostert had a perfectly fine game. Uh, I know, like Kendrick Bourne found the end zone, but I mean, even George Kittle, which is which is the next name on this list, just did not have a George Kittle like game. Uh, don't sit your Niners in the future. Just I know this is a bad week, but it's gonna turn out The Dolphins came and they played motivated. So when the Niners have good matchups, you play them. Mostert's almost a smash every week play along with Kittle. But otherwise you're you're definitely looking at when to put in McKinnon. He's no longer in every week thing like he was in the beginning of the season even though he was producing. This is a a rough one to watch him to watch him have other running backs, Joshua Kelly, 11 attempts, 29 yards, one target only for 9 yards and this was just last night but it's it's hard to look at and here's the reason why. Joshua Kelly was taking work away from Eckler to the point where he was actually startable by himself with Eckler still playing. So when Eckler goes down, you definitely thought that Joshua Kelly would shoulder the load and and be the guy to take that burden of lead back. But he's looking it unaffected and just not involved. And you got to wonder if if Justin Jackson is just looking more explosive and and he's going to be the new guy or if it's just going to kind of be a week-by-week basis. But until that's a bit more clear, uh, it's really hard to to put him in your lineup with confidence. And I know this is the Saints. The Saints have a pretty okay run defense, uh, but you would expect him to be more involved in the passing game. But Herbert seems to really like Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, as he should. And it just seems like, with his ability, they may be more of a pass-first offense. And Kelly might be a bit more of a volatile option moving forward. Tight ends that disappointed? It's, uh, It's a rough one. Like, guys that you drafted to be every week starters putting up really, really tough weeks. Zacherts is the one I want to talk about first. One catch on six targets for six yards. So the scary part is that he did have six targets, and watching all those targets, maybe two of those were were definitely harder to catch, but he's just not getting separation. And for a guy that used to be part of the the Holy Trinity, as we called it, with Kittle and Kelsey, uh, he has most certainly not performed that way this year. And him along with Tyler Higby from the Rams, Higby caught both of his two targets for 12 yards. So guys that just had monster last years, I mean, Higby came in with a ton of fanfare along with Ertz, and it just did, it has not been what you expected. I mean, Gerald Everett from the Rams essentially took all the tight end reps in terms of the receiving aspect of things away from Higby. That one game he got in week two from Higby is probably going to be the last big game you get from them uh at least it's what it looks like because they're they're definitely favoring receivers more and they really want to get that run game going with henderson and acres had a big run so higby might now be the fourth or fifth option i mean sixth if you want to say everett might be higher on the depth chart you never know but because there's so much going on after robert woods and cooper cup you have to look at higby as just he's definitely a a matchup dependent play and a touchdown dependent person. I mean the volume at least was there for Ertz to produce six targets versus two. Uh Ertz just you hear a lot of other podcasts they say Ertz might be washed. It's it's really hard to look at but there's there's a potentiality that I mean he may he may be washed. So if you are a Zach Ertz manager, you're holding on to him because he's Zach Ertz, but you don't feel good about it. You have a hard time playing him, especially in a tight end required format. He's got the volume to do it for you. You just don't. It's, the confidence is not there, at least for me. Looking at some other receivers who had some bad weeks, Justin Jefferson. Uh, we hyped him up for a long time, and he did not. Uh, he did not have a great time. Three catches on five targets for twenty-three yards. Uh, certainly not what you're expecting for a guy who's had just a fantastic couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, Adam Thielen, it was the Adam Thielen show, and we're going to talk about Adam Thielen in the Rock Stars. But Justin Jefferson, for his explosion and how we thought he was going to do, uh, most certainly just ha- had a, a really hard time getting separation. And, I mean, Dalvin Cook and Madison took a lot of it. The game script was kind of against him to an extent. Uh, but man, I saw a lot more of Irv Smith than I thought I was going to from, from the Vikings, Justin Jefferson, just, you really wish you would have seen more from him to get confidence to play him every week. And hopefully we can get there. I just, uh, he's, he's going to be fine. Hold him, play him. Uh, he just might be more of a, a boomer bust potential potentially, uh, with the way things are going. Uh, honorable mentions. We talked about Daniel Jones, Dalton Schultz from the Cowboys. Mo Cox got Goost, uh, Lev Bell and Hayden Hurst. And it was a really w- rough week if you're in a tight end required league, just cause you're certainly not expecting your tight end to do a ton. But if you're drafting Zach Ertz, Dalton Schultz, I mean, you didn't draft Dalton Schultz. You drafted Blake Jarwin with my recommendation. Uh, Hayden Hurst, you're expecting them to do more than, you know, two catches. I mean, heck, Dalton Schultz and even Amari Cooper, he's on this list too, had a really rough week in terms of production. I mean, Dak got hurt, yes, but let's look at his four targets total, two catches and 23 yards. Just a lot of stars that you expected to do a lot of, of production for your team just did not show up today, and it was kind of a rough go at all of it. But that was the downer of the week. Let's talk about some people who had great weeks. Let's talk about some rock stars. So this week, like I mentioned before, a lot of names on this list are not ones that you plug in every week. You had to kind of look at them and and they were a matchup thing or they might have even been a plug and play because of a COVID situation. Uh, A lot of production from places that you don't expect, but I want to start with the honorable mentions for the rock stars, because a lot of them that had great weeks all did what you drafted them to do. So like Pat Mahomes, DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, Travis Kelsey, Miles Sanders, Zeke, all had fantastic weeks, but realistically this is what you expected them to do. So yeah, they all had like seven for 90 and a score to an extent, but That's why you draft them in the first round. That's why you put a lot of money on them in an auction draft. So while they did fantastic and they are rock stars, they are going to be rock stars more often than not stars. So that's why we didn't put them in the actual rock star section. But let's get to some actual numbers. The one that I want to talk about first is the obvious one who had the the biggest week out there. Chase Claypool, only owned in, I believe it's 8% of leagues, and we'll talk about him in the waivers. But seven catches on eleven targets for one ten and three scores, along with three carries for six yards and one score, just a monster week. If you made the call somehow to put him in your lineup this week, uh, and it wasn't a DFS, congrats on your win. You know, forty points is is a lot to deal with for anybody. Uh, and going forward, I think that Chase Claypool is going to have a a bigger role in the offense. I think that Washington is going to see a lot less reps. And depending on Deontay Johnson's health, you know Juju might have a number two and Chase Claypool might be that guy. He looks explosive and dynamic. So if you can get him, if you can stash him, uh, obviously he's not going to have a week like this every week. So be prepared for that. But you know, he's going to have a lot more looks going forward. Him and Ben seem to have a good rapport. So Chase Claypool, monster week along with a guy who otherwise came out of nowhere, Travis Fulgham on the Eagle side of the ball, 10 catches, 13 targets, 152 and a score. You know, Carson Wentz is doing his best to make the best out of a bad situation, having no receivers. And him and Fulgham, you know, Greg Ward Jr., like, you know, Hightower, he's doing his best with nothing, especially with the fact that Zach Ertz has been ultimately non-existent in this offense. So... Do I expect this to be an every week thing? No. Do I expect some volume to be there as long as Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey are out? Yes. So he is worth a look as a flyer. I mean, he's owned in 1% of leagues, so we're going to look at him later as well. But we're going to keep on working down the list. It's a bit more of a condensed show today, uh, seeing as how it's just me. But that's there's no Thursday night preview to talk about. So this is just kind of a recap of what's going on. Last week, I mentioned that Brandon Cooks, to me, was droppable and uh, apparently he took high offense to that, putting up an 8-catch out of 12 target for 161 in a score line. Uh, on the first week that Bill O'Brien's gone, Brandon Cooks gets involved. So I don't expect this much production from him all, all, excuse me, always, but you can probably see he's going to have probably like a high target share. I mean, him and Fuller can both coexist. They both had perfectly fine games. I could expect probably six to nine targets from for Brandon Cooks each week especially if they stick with more of a passing attack which is Deshaun Watson's specialty so I don't know why they ever moved away from that but so not droppable but definitely volatile so he'll be there more of a matchup type situation but if Brandon Cooks can keep this going uh maybe I just gotta keep talking that each of these guys has washed. And, you know, who knows? Maybe if I say that you can drop Zach Ertz because he's terrible. Maybe Zach Ertz comes out next week and has a a line like this. But Adam Thielen, the opposite of Justin Jefferson, nine catches on 13 targets, 80 yards and two scores. Uh, If I did my math correctly, and I don't think I did, but ESPN does that for me, Adam Thielen is the wide receiver one on the year. So that's something to look at. I expected him to have a perfectly fine year. But if you look at our rankings, I had him just outside the top 10 because I knew he was going to be involved. I thought Jefferson would take some stuff away, which to an extent he has a little bit. But yeah, he's just doing really well. And Adam Thielen's a guy that if you have him, you got to play him. If you have some depth, though, you can possibly swing him for like a top tier running back. I just don't expect this production to continue for the year. So he's having a great first quarter of the year, but I want to see him do this all year. And uh, I'm not super confident, but if you keep him, he's a smash play every week. Mike Davis, CMC's replacement, 16 rushes for 89 yards, nine catches, 60 yards, and a score in the air. You got to wonder – how much more McCaffrey would have done given the same opportunities. Mike Davis has been great. He's been probably the best waiver wire pickup of this season. And I just wonder when McCaffrey gets, gets healthy or on the other side of that, you got to, if you're a McCaffrey manager and you've got him on your IR, you have to be concerned that they, because of the effectiveness of Mike Davis, are the Panthers a little bit less quick to get him back? Cause they're winning. And Mike Davis is doing just fine. So if you're the Panthers, do you do you hold Mike Davis as the starter and, and you keep McCaffrey out for a bit until you're absolutely sure that he's 100%? So that could be a concern, especially if you traded for McCaffrey or if you just got him sit on your IR. He might not be back. Like three weeks was the minimum. So he would, in theory, be eligible to come back this week if they wanted to bring him back and he was healthy. But with Mike Davis's production, I'm concerned that uh, that McCaffrey might be a little bit longer of a wait to get back. And even if he does get back, does he start to share a bit because of how effective Mike Davis was? So a couple questions that I have. It's still going to be Christian McCaffrey's team. Like, let's be very real about that. But instead of 100% snap share, does he go down to like an 80% snap share? Just Mike Davis has been far more effective than I ever anticipated him being this year. Same with Jamison Crowder. Like I, w- I liked Jamison Crowder. I was high on him this year, but eight catches for on ten targets, one sixteen in a score with Joe Flacco of all people. I mean, Jamison Crowder is your—he's your every week floor. He's gonna score you fifteen points, and that's what you want in a guy who's just your your standard wide receiver two, uh, or a flex option depends on how you drafted. But Jamison Crowder is, in my opinion. Just in every week's start at this point. Like the volume is just always there. He manages to do something with it every single week. Like you don't even need the touchdowns half the time. He's always gonna get you darn near a hundred yards, but he's always got double digit targets. He's kinda like an Allen Robinson situation who also had a great week. It's the touchdowns are always nice when they do come, but when you have again double digit targets and you're coming down with 80% of them, like you're gonna be a smash play. Every week. And then last but not least, we got two guys from the Monday night game. Mike Williams, five catches on eight targets for 109 and two. And Emmanuel Sanders, who both had respected evenings. Manny Sanders was 12 catches on 14 targets for 122. No scores. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is an interesting situation. So Michael Thomas was apparently benched for an altercation that he had with a team member at practice, uh, which means that he potentially was healthy to go. Uh, the way that Sanders is finally playing, you have to wonder if Drew Brees and him are establishing that rapport. And this is what I was worried about at the beginning of the season with, with Michael Thomas. is If Sanders becomes relatively a focal point, you know, he could pull targets away from Michael Thomas, especially with him and Jared Cook. And Michael Thomas and all the weapons that they have, Alvin Kamara, like will Thomas consistently grab thirteen to fifteen targets a game? It's just with all those things on that team, and Sanders becoming a better option, it could be worrying for Michael Thomas owners that uh, Sanders has become what he is. And Sanders is fantastic; he's the wide receiver twenty-four on the year as as of right now. So we'll see how that progresses with him and Michael Thomas. But on to the Bo Jackson cheat code of the week. This is the player that is in your lineup almost always has a great week, but it's just unfair at what, you know, basically when you got him drafted and mine this week is DK Metcalf, six catches on 11 targets, 93 and two scores. Ben was a very high on DK Metcalf this year and I agreed with him that he's going to be the wide receiver one on that team. Tyler Lockett is still a tremendous talent, but DK Metcalf is in a league of his own right now. And it shows with his production. So if you have him, you probably got him relatively like mid draft, like fifth, sixth round. That's where he went in our drafts. And for the production you're getting from him, it's just scary. And I expect this to continue. And He's exceeded all of my expectations. So my Bo Jackson cheat code is DK Metcalf. That guy is just a monster right now. And if you have him, keep him. If you don't have him, I mean, you could try to sell your farm to get it. But I couldn't imagine anyone getting rid of DK Metcalf at this point. But let's move on to our waivers. And like we do every week, these are going to be players that are rostered in 40% or less of your leagues. Ready? Down! So there's been a lot going on injury-wise, COVID-wise, just a lot of moving and pivoting that has to happen to get the to be able to field a full lineup at this point. Uh, so I want to talk about some waiver options, and depending on the size of your league, uh, these are going to be the players that are a little bit of a deeper feel uh, but are going to be hopefully equally as effective. So, so just starting things off, obviously we talked about Chase Claypool. He's an 8% owned player in fantasy formats. So if you have space on your bench, he's a great option to stash. And like I said, I expect a tremendously increased workload for him. So Chase Claypool leads my waivers of people who are in 40% or less of leagues. Uh, Two players that don't technically qualify, but are right on the cusp. Uh, 41% for both is T. Higgins from Cincinnati and Alexander Madison from Minnesota. Uh, with Dalvin Cook you know, aggravating an injury, Madison's going to be the guy you want to have to replace Dalvin Cook's production. And likewise, T. Higgins with A.J. Green. A.J. Green, quote, has a hamstring injury, uh, which is, I think, just code for he's been awful this year. And T. Higgins should see an increased workload behind Tyler Boyd. I mean, he had a respectable game against the Ravens, Of all teams, the Ravens have a very good defense, especially against opposing wide receivers. So the fact that T. Higgins was able to get four receptions on, I think it was seven targets off the top of my head, uh, is just a sign of the workload of things to come, especially if A.J. Green doesn't play. Madison did very well in Dalvin Cook's absence in the game on Sunday night. And those are two that are, again, a little over the 40, but definitely names that you want to attack on the waiver wire. Uh, three other names that I got that are going to be going to be important. The tough thing about waivers right now is that a lot of people are either picked up or they are, are people's radar because COVID has really made people dig tremendously deep into into the waiver wire. So this is a, this is a year where if you're a waiver wire person like I'm a guy who surfs the waiver wire all year just for the right matchups, better players, things like that. This year's been a lot more difficult in terms of getting the names that I want because everyone else has to play. It has to play the waiver wire. So it's no longer I get to play the waiver wire because everyone else is kind of set it and forget it. With COVID this year, you a hundred percent have to play the waiver wire, and if you're not, you're losing. And so a lot of these guys are. I don't say no-brainers, but definitely have been on people's radar. Like as an example, Preston Williams, 36%. He looked dynamic and explosive, like we expected him to earlier in the year. And you know Fitzpatrick is just chucking the ball. It was good to see a healthy Preston Williams out there. I fully expect uh, this type of workload to continue. Him and Devontae Parker should have fantastic, fantastic games. And they finally have an established run game with Gaskin. You know, Gasecki is that big body there. So Preston Williams is constantly finding himself open, and that's important. Other one, Tim Patrick. He's 18% owned. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, constantly battling injuries. Cortland Sutton, obviously, out for the year, and Jerry Judy, you know, being a little bit banged up. Tim Patrick is a great name from the Broncos that you're going to want to take a look at, uh, especially in deeper formats. He's just a really great option to look at. He's been producing, and he's very talented. And when it's not going to Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, or Jerry Judy, with Font being banged up as well, uh, Tim Patrick's your guy. And last but not least, big game he had last night, Justin Herbert, 35% owned in leagues. If you have a quarterback situation, like if you are the Matt Ryan owner or Dak Prescott or – your quarterback's just being you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. If you have these guys and you were banking on them to be your QB this year, Justin Herbert is a much better option uh, than at least two of them. Dak would have been better if he was still playing. But if you find yourself in a bad QB position, Justin Herbert is a great option to pick up. I know he's on his bye week. If you can afford to, I'd grab him on his bye week because people are going to want him in the future. So grab him when he's available, and you can do that on his bye in the same vein as waivers, we do have a Fighting Jack Trudeau QB Stream of the Week. This is just a QB that you can stream. Uh, otherwise, if it's good enough like this one is this week, you could hold on to him for the year. This is for the people who are on bye weeks or they were the DAC person who had the injury. This week is almost a no-brainer. He's only 47% owned in ESPN Standard Leagues. Jared Goff against the 49ers. Now, I know when I say against the 49ers, you kind of roll your eyes and say, well, they're the 49ers. But you got to look at what Fitzpatrick just did. And Jared Goff is, I would at least hope, equal to or better than Ryan Fitzpatrick in terms of ability. So I'm starting Jared Goff with 100% confidence this week against the 49ers. Uh, he happens to be my QB of for the year. I got him super late. But if you can get him now, now's a great time. The Rams are looking like a, a pretty pretty juggernaut of an offense and Jared Goff has he's surprised me in the sense that he has two rushing touchdowns this year and that's not a thing you you expected when you got Jared Goff on your team but he is producing he's producing well uh if he does well against San Fran I can see if you do stream him I can see him being a permanent uh fixture of your lineup as he's just been underrated and I think he's going to be a great option here Now, like I said, very short show this week because there is no Thursday night preview. Just wanted to go over the rock stars and the not stars, give you kind of a recap. But we are going to be back with a huge show on Friday. So that's going to do it for the Techmar Bros today. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platforms. And when you do, leave us a five-star review. That's the best way you can help us. But like I said before, I am the Techmar Bro Andy, and we will catch you all on Friday.